first reading is Job chapter 38, 1 through 11. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Were you, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling bands and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, Thus far shall you come and no farther, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading for this evening is in Second Corinthians. We're in the sixth chapter, verses 1 through 13. Working together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left. Through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. We have spoken to you, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affection. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. This is the word of the Lord. And as you are able, would you rise for the gospel reading? And our gospel this evening is in Mark's gospel in the sixth chapter, or excuse me, fourth chapter, verses 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? 
And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the gospel of our Lord. All right. You may be seated. Please join your hearts together with mine in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening where you have brought us together around your word. We pray, Lord, that you would guide us in this time. May you open our ears and hearts to hear your word, that you would remove distractions from us, that we would hear all of what you would have for us, all of your grace and mercy that you have poured out for us in Jesus, the one who has brought peace in all of our calamities and trials, the one that has brought peace between us and you. We pray, Lord, that you be with us in this time by your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. see a question up there. Why are you sleeping? It's a valid question the disciples had. I mean, you heard the context where Jesus was in a boat. So let's stop and go back just a little bit. So Jesus had been teaching all day, for many days, really. He had been healing folks, casting out demons, trying to teach out in front of his home. A couple of weeks ago, we saw how his family tried to gather him in for a meal and he, the family said, he's just crazy, let him come in. And then the scribes said, no, he's possessed by demons, don't listen to him. And then he kind of redefined what family looks like when he says, those who are my family are those that hear God's word. God's word is what shapes what's going on. God's word is the one that directs everything. And as people continue to throng around him, wanting his healing and wanting his words, they, <laughs> excuse me, moved to a countryside a little bit further away from the town so that they were able to have room for all the people. But they were coming in so tight that he couldn't even move. And so he moved into a boat off of the shore just a little bit, floating out in the water so that he could speak to everybody that was on the crowd so they could give him a little bit of room. And that's where he was at as he walked through all of the parables that we had heard last week plus others as he was teaching and teaching, and teaching, and finally, evening had come. Finally, a time had come where maybe it was okay to disperse everybody. Finally, the time had come where the day was ending. He said, get in the boat. Let's go to the other side. Now, as a father on Father's Day, I'm very thankful when I think of a man who has worked very hard and then wants rest. And I love naps. I love the idea of naps. I don't really take that many naps. But I love the idea that they're there and possible to take. A possibility to rest from the work and regain a little bit of energy with something. Or even at the end of a hard day of work or a long road trip, being able to come home and rest your head on your own pillow and sleep. It's such a wonderful thing to be able to do. And every now and then, I remember my children walking in. And I have a feeling that maybe a little bit of that sense of sleeping in your bed and having a child standing right next to you waiting for you to wake up is something a little similar to Jesus sleeping on that pillow in the back of the boat while there's a windstorm going on, except my house usually isn't being blown around by a tornado. But that moment where there's a child there and you wake up and look at them and kind of go, ah, what are you doing there in front of me? And my kids' questions usually is, why are you still sleeping? 
It's time to get up. It's time to play. It's time to watch cartoons. It's time to go do something. Let's go. Well, Jesus' situation was certainly a little bit different. Sleeping in the back of the boat as they head off across the Sea of Galilee in the evening time, and as kind of regular for that area, a very strong wind comes up in the evening from the west, and it blows across the lake. And you can imagine being in that boat with no motor, only sails and oars, and however many guys they fit in there. If it was all 12 disciples and Jesus, great. If it was a handful of them, fine. But that they were all gathered in that boat, and all the disciples are doing everything they can to go against this storm and make their way through the wind. And finally, they look back, and they see Jesus sleeping peacefully on a pillow in the back of the boat can understand their frustration. I mean, they're reaching out to him in a moment of dire need. And I think we need to remember something real quick. They didn't know Jesus like we know Jesus. They knew Jesus as a man, a, a man that did some pretty amazing things and taught in an amazing way like no one else had ever taught, but taught and then cast out demons and healed people and did things in ways that they had not really seen any man do before. But those were with things that you could converse with. So they could converse with a spirit and talk to it. They could work with a person, and he's dealing with a body. So here they are in the midst of this storm, not really knowing that he could do something even grander than what he had already done, but just appealing to his humanness, appealing to his mortality to say, don't you care that we're perishing? Why are you sleeping? Get up, bail some water out of the boat, grab an oar, hold the sail tight. Do something to help us get through this storm. Teacher, stop sleeping. What I love, though, is that they appealed to his humanity and he responded with his divinity. Instead of just doing something to help them get through the storm, he rolls over and it doesn't say he shouted. But he rebuked the wind and spoke to it. Stop it. Wait. Be still. And Mark's next words are beautiful. There was a great calm. Can you imagine going down to the ocean and seeing somebody stand there on a windy evening while wind is blowing in across the waves, white caps and waves pounding in on the sand, and they stand out there and they say, wind, peace, waves, be still. And everything looked like a lake. That would be an amazing sight. To see somebody with that power and that ability to speak to inanimate objects, the creation things with like wind that you can't even see or water that you can't even reason with. And this man just sits there and makes everything calm. It was at that moment they were afraid. It was at that moment that they were fearful. It was at that moment that they were filled with a great fear, not during the storm or during the things that these experienced fishermen and men around a lake knew how to handle. They were concerned, absolutely, in the midst of it and needed some help, but they weren't necessarily as afraid at that point as they were when they saw Jesus make everything calm. It's that they were filled with a great fear and asked, who is this then? That even the wind and the waves obey him. See, they were 
absolutely focused on that storm that was going on. And they kind of forgot that Jesus was his presence. I mean, for us, we know Jesus to be so much more than the disciples knew in that moment because we've seen him go to the cross for us. We've seen him die in our place. We've seen him raised from the dead and have power over death and Satan even. And to be the true son of God. And in all these times where storms similar, well, whether it's physical storms or emotional storms or financial storms or whatever the case may be, we see these things in life where we are absolutely focused upon them and forget, maybe sometimes, that Christ is absolutely present in the midst of all of those, that he's there in the middle of it, that we want to ask when things are breaking apart, why are you sleeping, God? And we forget that he's not distant, but that he's present. That question is no different than David in the Psalms. When David wrote in Psalm 44 about all the trials of war and all the trials of things breaking down the people and all the things that were going on. And then he said, do I need to wake you up, God? Are you sleeping? Where are you in all of this? And the disciples were just living a psalm at that point. But we tend to ask. From time to time, where are you when my loved one is sick? Where are you? Why are you sleeping? Why are you not acting and doing things in the way that I expect you to get them done, God? And we forget that he's still present. And he's present because he's promised to be. He's present because he's made you his child. He's present because he has said, you are mine and I will hold on to you. In those times where you let go of me, I've still got a strong grasp on you. And I'm with you in the midst of everything. I'm with you in my word. I'm with you in spirit as his Holy Spirit is with us. And he says, I'm with you in my church. I work through that church to walk through life together with you. In those storms, when things are going crazy, God brings people into our lives to walk through all of that with us and be there present with us to speak his word into our lives. And to be there in the midst of all the things that feel like it's breaking apart. All the times we want to ask God, why are you sleeping? He says, I'm not. I'm here. I'm talking to you. I'm walking with you. I'm present with you in all of the trials that are going on. And I'm present because I love you. Because I've forgiven you. Because I've sent my son Jesus to die for you. And not just die as a man would die, but rise as the son of God who has power over death to then hand you the same life and righteousness that's his. And he hands it as a gift. He says, here I am. I love you, and I'll never leave you. Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you've done. We pray that you continue to make your presence known in our lives, that you guide us by your Spirit, and that you point us to Jesus. And when our eyes are turned and we think you're sleeping, we pray that you would turn them back to you and or we would see how you are so active in our lives. That you have saved us, that you have loved us, and that you are not far from us, but ever present with us. And we pray, Lord, that you guide us in all that you would have us do, and that all we do would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.